0: Hi, I'm Carl DeHuman, and you are listening to Historic, the podcast about old places and people who love them. In each episode, I pick a historic building to roast and or toast, tell its story, and at the end, I give it a rating and a spot on my rad or bad list. In this episode, I'll be looking at the Lagonda Club building in Springfield, Ohio. Let's deal with that name right off the bat, Lagonda Club. To me, a guy recording in a basement in Utah, the word Lagonda is completely foreign. Yet it is all over the city of Springfield, Ohio. You have Lagonda Avenue, Lagonda Field, Lagonda Elementary School, Lagonda Heights, Lagonda Creek Real Estate, Lagonda Tree Trimming, Lagonda everything and everywhere. As it turns out, all of these references to Lagonda actually focus on two things. The area's rich, indigenous history, and the waterway around which the city was built. Lagonda is a Shawnee word for buck deer, which is a boy deer with big antlers. Springfield was built on the banks of Lagonda Creek, which has long been renamed Buck Creek. Not the Shawnee name, but still a reference to the tribe. And the building that actually drew me to look at Springfield in the first place was the Tecumseh building, named for the famous Shawnee chief who led a united resistance to American colonization of native lands. I don't know how the Shawnee themselves feel about all of this Lagonda stuff, but from my socially liberal yet still white standpoint, it at least feels a lot more respectful than other Ohio cities whose sports mascots Are simply the Indians. If I had to choose the single most admirable thing about Springfield, it's that at the end of the day, it's the little guy that matters. The city is one continual underdog story in which they may lose their way for a minute or stumble into hard times here and there, but they don't just roll over and let the big mean world push them around. This little midwestern city was built on the sore backs and calloused hands and relentless grit of blue-collar men and women who work hard and love harder. That is why the Lagonda Club building was destined to sit empty. I have some confusion about whether to consider the bottom floor of the Lagonda Club building a, a basement or the first floor. We could argue either way about it. But when counting floors, I'm considering the basement to be the first floor, uh, just because of how above ground it is. However, the National Register of Historic Places documentation refers to this floor as a basement. It's just whatever. I'll call it a basement, but just know that when I'm referring to the number of floors, I'm calling the basement the first story. So, either way. Either way works. The Lagonda Club building is... A total of four stories, including that confusing basement, uh, with a raised basement built into a slight hill. Uh, the basement facade is mostly done in limestone, giving it a lighter color and more finished look than the rest of the building. Two entrances are on the long edge of the building, built halfway between the first and second stories. One door is clearly meant to be the main entrance and features double doors framed by very fancy carved limestone panels. This main door also has a bas-relief panel that says La Gonda. The second entrance looks identical from a distance just without any of the fancy festoonery. You get closer though and realize that what looks like forgotten fancy festoonery is actually light-colored brick. Also, this entry only has a single door and a window. It looks out of place, but I suppose it could have just been a way to designate who was important. Maybe the club members went through the fancy door, and the cleaners and caterers went through the somewhat less fancy door. That's the best I can come up with. I I don't know. Either way, you get into the building, right? Or maybe, maybe the local masons were tired after the first intricate doorway and just never came back. That's the basement, or first floor, or whatever it is. Next, the building is encased in two stories of brick with arches and other fancy festoonery, which is actually a word, in the same limestone as the basement. Uh, The two street-facing sides of the Lagonda Club building feature a total of five windows, Three of them have very nice limestone arches framing them with half-circle stained glass panels. The one on the short edge, facing High Street, stands out as the fanciest of the fancy windows. It is a large limestone panel with looks uh, like a a jellyfish motif. Uh, It's weird, hard to describe. And the upper panel features two winged unicorn bodies with dragon heads drinking from a fountain. Of course, you also have two uppercase L's surrounded by pretty wreaths. Uh, It's just a a strange theme, even for late Gothic artwork. Uh, Very interesting uh, mythical creatures adorning this building. The third floor has an interesting inset balcony on one side, also framed by beautifully carved limestone arches. And instead of jutting out like we Americans are used to, the outer edge of this balcony is flush with the wall, as though it's just another room with most of one wall removed. Each floor is separated visually by a thin layer of limestone, and above the third floor line, the fourth floor sticks out with its ornate brick pattern of diamond shapes, alternating between the same red brick that's found below. And a lighter brick that almost matches the limestone in color. The same lighter brick can be seen around the windows at lower levels, and a a similar diamond pattern decorates above some of the window arches on the first floor. Then topping it all off, we have a metal frieze before an unassuming dark gray hip roof. The roof isn't super interesting, I just don't want to leave you wondering what's on top of the Lagonda club building. Uh, And what is on top is a roof. Um, Oh, and there's a a fire escape staircase on the back of the building, too. And there's also a cool mural on the wall that used to uh, be next to the neighboring building. So what was the Lagonda Club? Once construction on this building was completed in 1895, The Lagonda Club building was a clubhouse for, uh, as you can probably guess on your own, the Lagonda Club. This was an opulent place for Springfield's aristocrats to hide away from the hardships of seeing poor people. They could sit their unchapped hides on Spanish leather couches, satisfy their sophisticated palates with champagne chilled to a sophisticated frappe, frap, I I don't, I'm not sophisticated, I don't know, and avert their eyes from the dull Ohio landscape to velvet wall hangings and pleated damask drapes. They could play billiards with their upper-class peers to the soundtrack of the region's best jazz troops. Obviously, there was a ballroom inside, because fancy rich people love holding big balls as much as I love a good innuendo. Even their drama was too high-class for most of us. Uh, Frank Andrews designed the Lagonda Club building, and he's known as the architect for other prominent Ohio buildings like the National Cash Register Building and the Capitol Buildings of Kentucky and Montana. But in classic upper-class fashion, he got the Lagonda Club job by being the nephew of the club's founder, Oscar Martin. But they would soon have a falling out, when Frank left Oscar's niece for a famous Broadway actress. Like, what kind of world are you in existing in where your family drama is Frank running off with a celebrity? Like, those of us in the real world can't even imagine that kind of drama. But apparently, they had a hard time keeping their club membership up because over the years, they started admitting lower-class, well, lower-upper-class people, and even women could join this club. In true Springfield fashion, the little guy would start to get his recompense. It took about 30 years, but the Lagonda Club eventually folded in 1923, and whatever was left of its membership migrated to the new country club on the north end of town. The building started removing its fancy pants when the Chamber of Commerce moved in and spent the next 40 years uh, making it more middle class. Gone, For better or worse, were the silver gas lights and leather couches. The place was all about business. The Chamber of Commerce needed fluorescent lights and hard-backed chairs. The billiards room was divided into offices and cubicles. The champagne cooler started chilling bologna sandwiches and Coke bottles. Elegant curtains had no place in the promotion of local businesses, so off they went, and on went Dusty Blinds. They even took out the bandstand and the classy staircase to take the upper-class bodies to the upper-class floors. The ballroom was still there, but chambers of commerce are better known for luncheons and brown bag meetings, and not so much for opulent, innuendo-laced parties. Oh, um, remember that roof I was talking about? Well, they still had a roof, but the chamber of commerce even found a way to make that lower class by spelling out CHAMBER OF COMMERCE in lighter-colored shingles. So just in case you're skydiving to the place, I guess, you know where to land to get to the Chamber of Commerce lunch. The Chamber of Commerce took off in 1963, which was effectively the end of any major use of the Lagonda Club building. After sitting empty for a while, the, the building was used intermittently as a library, an office building, and even housed a radio station for a while. Uh, there just isn't a ton of information about this time period, which makes me feel like it was simply not a place where anything noteworthy happened. It was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1975 with, I gotta say, an absolutely poetic nomination written by George the IV. I could do an entire episode about him. There's so much that he did in uh, Springfield and, and just so much great writing on some of these nominations. But today's episode is not about George the IV as much as I want to talk about him. Maybe we'll talk about him later. The underlying motivation for nominating the Lagonda Club building to the register was the hope of reinvigorating its demand as a place to rent business space. This illustrates the Lagonda Club building's problem perfectly. It was never meant for these public services. It was designed for a specific purpose and a specific group of people. But those people aren't what Springfield, Ohio is about. Springfield has always been about the little guy, the factory workers. In 1978, a record-breaking blizzard tore through the Midwest and shut down most of Ohio. In Springfield, a beloved radio DJ, Smilin' Bob Yauntz, stayed in the studio for three days straight, relaying information almost 24-7 to the community and helped organize a fundraiser to get groceries to snowed-in residents. So he raised money, he bought out grocery store stock, basically, and had people on four-wheelers and four-by-four trucks picking up loads of groceries and taking them to people in town. Springfield has definitely had its ups and downs. It's been way up and it's been way down. But Springfield always springs back. If you look at the city's Wikipedia entry, you can see a picture of the Ku Klux Klan's marching band. You know, because obviously they had a marching band. Anyway, Springfield went from the extreme of white supremacists parading through town to electing the first black mayor in the United States. In the 1980s, the city was noted as one of the most promising places to live, even as the city council was diverting business away from its once bustling downtown and tearing down several of those buildings to accommodate parking lots. By 2013 it topped a list of the most unhappy and unhealthy cities in the country. Now, ten years later, it's comfortably in the average range. You know, Not particularly noteworthy, but I guess, as an improvement, it's not number one in the country for most unhappy and unhealthy. So, you know, take what you get. It it's, seems average now. I looked at several Springfield buildings that are on the National Register of Historic Places, but I can't think of any better metaphors for that city than the Lagonda Club building. It was built for the upper class to separate themselves from the working class. Over the years, Springfield rejected that snobby rich culture that doesn't represent the community. It took a while, but the building has stood for years now as an empty monument to the empty elitists in this factory city. Okay, friends, we've made it to the final segment of this podcast. Carl Human's rad or bad list. The list is simple. I have ten categories in which I will rate each building I talk about on a scale of one to ten, plus a mansard multiplier because mansard roofs are the best roofs. A score of 50 or higher means the building is rad, under 50 and the building is bad. through the categories for the luganda club building Uh, for architectural significance i scored it a six it fits in for the time period uh, but it's kind of a weird and confusing mix of styles it really doesn't fit any one style Uh, historical importance i gave it a seven george burkoffer IV saved this one with his gorgeous description of the building being a symbolic structure of the concerns of the upper-class Springfieldians. Uh, The next category is cultural impact. I give it an 8. The quick rise and fall of the Lagonda Club mixed with Chamber of Commerce turning it into a dreary office building, then falling into an empty shell, are an excellent metaphor for Springfield and its people. Preservation efforts. I gave it a 5. Uh, There was some in the 1970s, which was the impetus for nominating the building. Uh, Another attempt seems to have been made in the 2000s, but owners have just sat on it for decades. The filth visible, even in Google Street View, uh, seems to reflect how well they're taking care of it. And it's not very well, unfortunately. Visual Appeal. I gave it an 8. This is a beautiful building that I just had to cover. It is so cool and so unique that it is interesting and weird enough to keep me obsessed with this building. The next category is stories or anecdotes. Um, I give it a three. I didn't find a ton of stories about things that went on in the building. A lot of what you've heard here is directly from the National Register nomination, and I'm just putting together bits and pieces I found lying around the internet Uh, One of the best sources that I found was joining a History of Springfield, Ohio Facebook group. I found a lot of good pictures, a lot of good stories. None of it is really like super strong or cohesive or easy to find even. Uh, The next category is public access. I give it a one. There's absolutely no access to this building. Uh, It's closed to the public. It's privately owned. Uh, at this point, it's probably even unsafe to go into that building, so definitely like, no public access there. For uniqueness, I gave it a 5. It's just a weird building. Those winged horse dragon things surrounded by jellyfish are certainly um, unique. I don't think that is enough to push the building out of the average range, though. Wow factor, I give it a 7. Um, I definitely said wow when I first saw this building. Uh, it's just so... It, it's just unique enough and just weird enough that I can't not talk about the Lagonda Club building. Uh, then there's this category called Carl's Choice. Uh, this is totally arbitrary, completely like... Carl just gives it a score. And I gave it an 8. Uh, this is the first building that I reviewed... Uh, So I might look back someday and disagree, but I just think this is a cool building. It's one of the cooler buildings that I've seen. Um, I love its little quirks, and I definitely love the symbolism. I love what it represents about the community of Springfield. I know the people of Springfield will disagree, because they probably don't want empty buildings downtown. But I love the symbolism of it sitting empty when it used to be this prominent thing for rich, fancy people, and the people of Springfield just absolutely rejected that because that is not what Springfield is about. Uh, For Mansard multiplier, unfortunately, this building does not have a Mansard Roof. Uh, Normally, how this would work is if a building has a Mansard Roof, they will get uh, their total score plus 25% of that score. So a little bit of a bump in the score for a mansard roof, but the Lagonda club building just has a boring, hipped roof, no mansard roof. Uh, So the total here is 58 for the Lagonda club building. Um, Again, this is the first building that I've reviewed. This is the first episode of the podcast. Uh, So by default, it's number one, it's the top of the list. Uh, I gave it a 58 total. All of those scores combined. Uh, it'll probably hang out around average as the list gets filled out. Um, but it's definitely enough to get onto the rad list. Yes, this building is rad and I am super glad for Springfield, Ohio. Uh, that's all for this episode. If you're into this sort of thing, please consider subscribing. You can get updates and see pictures of properties I review on Instagram, uh, the username is at historic underscore pod or on my subreddit, r slash historic podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, go out and do something historic. We'll see you next time. There's nothing wrong with Ohio, except the snow and the rain. I really like Drew Carey and I'd love
1: to see the rock and roll.